0: Hey, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music podcast. I just want to do a quick plug. Did you know that I write kids books? If you have children, nieces, nephews, I have books that are totally available for free or $10 on Amazon for physical copies. You can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash kids books to get access and learn more about that. Thank you for all of your support. Now let's get back to the show. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. Two, three. Hello, and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK. And today we have a very interesting episode. Today we want to talk about gain stage and gain, and not just in the mixing process, but also in the recording process. How much volume do you add in the mixing process? And and if it's hitting red, if it's hitting yellow, is it too much? Or, and not just for mixing, but also on the way in, recording on the way in. How much gain do you should you put on your microphone? So I wanted to first start off with the concept of noise floor. Noise floor is... Every single piece of equipment has inherent sound, whether it's a hiss, which is pretty common, or some buzzing, everything has, because it's electronics, it has inherently has some sound. That's the noise floor. How low is the noise floor? Like, For example, if you had a microphone that had a lower noise floor, that means that there's less hissing, less extra noises added into the mic that's not picking up through the microphone, just from the electrical signal. So in order to defeat and lower your noise floor as much as you want, so for example, if you had to add gain... On your microphone, it raises the noise floor. But also, if you had to add gain in your mixing, for example, if you get tracks that are really quiet, they're all across the board, negative 30 dBs, and you had to raise them up, and by the time you hit mastering, they're all up 30 dBs, that means that the noise floor is going to be raised. So the way that they used to do this, this is a lot less relevant now because equipment is actually really good and has, even the cheap stuff, has really low noise floors now. But this was extra relevant then, back in the day, and is still kind of relevant now. So... The reason why, on the way in, recording back in the day, you wanted to record as hot as possible, right? And that's why people talk about the Neve sound and how how awesome it is, how colorful it is, how dark it is, and everything, how warm everything is, is because they had to crank the volume. And if you crank the volume on the, in the gain stage, in the, uh, the first stage of the, uh, the preamp, then it would have a lower noise floor later when you had to turn up the volume after in the mastering phase, right? Through tape or in the mixing phase. So because they recorded it hot, they didn't have to turn it up as much during the mixing and mastering phase. So it's this beautiful thing, where back in the day, you had to record and mix everything super hot, as hot as possible, in, in order to lower the noise floor, right? So nowadays, noise floor isn't as relevant, but the same idea still occurs. Like, when you record, obviously you don't want to be clipping, you don't want it to redline, you don't want it to distort, right? Unless you want to on purpose, but typically not in that stage, and definitely not in the digital stage, because it could record, if you're recording it, it could, it could distort in two places. It could distort in your preamp, and it could distort on the way in digitally through Pro Tools. So you got to be careful. Or whatever DAW you're using. It could distort twice. So even if it's quiet, but for some reason the gain in Pro Tools is cranked or whatever, which or the opposite, you know, if, if Pro Tools looks good, but the preamp is, is distorting, it's going to still record distorted. So you got to be careful. But the idea is, when I record vocals, when I record people, and when you should record people, it's you want to be recording them in h- as hot as possible, with the most level as possible, but you don't want to be clipping at all. Like even on accident, you'll be surprised you get it really, really hot. And this this is a little bit of a gentle touch. You know, you got to get really good at it, practice it, but you want to get it as hot as you can, but knowing their dynamic range, and you might have your fingers right on the gain, so you might change it while they're recording, right, if you need to. But you don't want it to clip. You do not want it to clip unless you want it to clip on purpose. And most of the time, that's not the case. So you do not want the microphone to clip. So you get it hot enough, but not too hot. And that lowers the noise floor. But more importantly, that really helps people like me because sometimes I get mixes where people send me stems, and they're literally like really, really quiet. And I have to turn them up, and I can't get rid of the hiss That's just inherent in sound. And when I turn it up afterwards, the hiss gets turned up too. So there are instruments and microphones and different preamps that offer less hiss. That's why some preamps are really great. And that's why I love the UAD built-in preamp. It has a lot less hiss, so you could use the SM7B and you don't really notice the hiss like the one I'm using right now with just the default preamp. But on the uh, the Focusrite stuff, if you turn up the gain too much, you can hear the hiss. So, hiss, lower noise floor is on nicer quality preamps. Micro, same with microphones and outboard gear, yada, yada, yada. It doesn't matter. But the point is record hot. When you're mixed hot, I want to say this too. When you're mixing, let me tell you how I do it. Let me tell you how you should be thinking about it. Because for me, at this point, I don't think about gain stage. At all. And that's how it should be after a certain point. When I have a Master Bus compressor, right? And it's outboard and I've been using it for a minute and I could do a review on it. It's the Warm Bus Comp. I'm trying to tell you a concept with what happens. Every time I mix down a song, I do not touch the threshold on that guy. It just happens to be that I'm hitting it exactly the same every single time about minus one to two dbs of gain reduction hitting it the same way so that means every single time i mix a song it just naturally is at the same volume before i start mastering anything That's how it should be. And I don't do this on purpose. It's not mathematical. You shouldn't go out of your way and try to calculate it. But when I'm monitoring, I'm monitoring at the same volumes every single time I mix. So by the time when something's loud enough, I know that it's loud enough because of all the other hundreds of thousands of songs that I've mixed before. Like that's loud enough. That's the volume it should be. When I mix vocals, I turn the monitors down, but it's about the same level every single time. And I turn it back up to about the same level that I leave it up every time. And so when I'm mixing, I mix it pretty hot. So It's not clipping. It's definitely not even close to clipping. Yes, I still use a limiter, but I definitely mix it hot. Now, oftentimes I see people say, like, oh, DK, like, my interns will often ask me, DK, like, your bus, like, because I bus a lot of things. DK, your Pro Tools bus is clipping. It's got the yellow line right now. I say, so, can you hear it? You know, does it sound like it's distorting? Does it sound like it's clipping? No. Okay, then we're good. Don't rely on your eyes too much. Like, really, don't mix it too hot because if you if it is clipping, if it's digital clipping, you can't ignore it. It's going to be really obvious. But in digital platforms like software or something like this, in the bus, it does have a little bit extra headroom in the analog world than in the digital world. So you actually can push it just a little bit more in digital before it starts distorting. Not in the sense that like, if you pass zero, but it'll say that you're hitting zero even though you actually are really hitting like minus one or minus two, you know? And especially on buses, I've noticed that the yellow light turns on a lot faster before the distortion starts happening. So don't let it get in your head. Don't overthink it. It's not a science. Remember that hit songs and great mixes are not science. Nobody has ever mixed a song and said, it's because I used white noise and I got a Grammy because I used white noise and I referenced white noise and pink noise and, and I did this. And then also with the VU meter with the low end, no, like nobody winning Grammys is doing all that stuff. That's for you to understand how to learn and how to get used to what you should be hearing, not what people use after a certain point. Like, Once you get used to understanding what it's supposed to sound like, you shouldn't be using those kind of techniques or skills because honestly, what is music? It's emotion. And no good mix is mixed without emotion. And every mix is done emotionally. Every great mix is done emotionally. Every single song that you like was mixed, recorded, performed very emotionally. And that's the way it should be. And the moment you get technical with your mixing, with your recording, with your producing you lose the genuine vibe that I talked about on the last episode. I talked about it on the last episode. like You want to be genuine. You want to be real. You don't want to sound like a tryhard. So same thing with mixing. Don't use these crazy YouTube tactics and whatever. You might for once or twice just to hear what it sounds like, but you should get used to knowing what music sounds like. And if you listen to hours and hours of music every single day, then you definitely know what good music sounds like. How about instead of spending those on your AirPods, how about you spend the hours in in front of your studio monitors or on the studio headphones that you use so you know what music is supposed to sound like? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I say this a lot, the biggest rookie mistake for mix engineers, this is mixing 101 right here for you for DK's version of it, is a lot of people mix... To make it sound good out of their headphones or out of their speakers or out of their car. No, you you shouldn't mix to make it sound good out of a specific speaker playback system, a specific transducer. No, you you should mix relative to what's already out in the world in your market. For example, if you're doing hip-hop in the Travis Scott style, you want to reference Travis Scott. Because Travis Scott's mixes may not sound great in your monitors, but then it also might sound great in the AirPods and it sound might like great in the car, but it just doesn't sound good in your monitors. So you will not inherently know to mix like Travis Scott unless you hear it through the monitors and understand the difference. So when you reference, which is huge and important, make sure you don't mix it to make it sound good through your speakers or headphones. You mix it to make it sound good relative to everything else that's already out. If you're doing an acoustic song, maybe listen to some Jack Johnson, you know, or whatever it is. On that note, with gain staging it's really important don't don't distort don't clip unless it's on purpose. You'll see stuff like uh Triple X that had his first song that blew up that was super distorted. Me and Maycon have a song called Amazing that's super distorted. This is all on purpose. Distortion is awesome and it's great. And uh, as Jason Joshua says, nothing can fill an auditorium like a white man playing distorted guitar. And, <laughs> and I honestly think like distortion is a beautiful thing. And I EQ with saturation distortion. Like I, like I almost EQ with saturation because each saturator plugin has, and like outboard gear, it has a different sound, has a different tone. And you got to know what those tones sounds like, right? But at the same time, digital clipping is not the best thing. So. One of my favorite shows, podcasts, other podcasts that I listen to, I recommend listening to at least the first 10 to 15 episodes minimum. The Mastering Show with Ian Shepard. This is big about gain staging. When you're limiting, okay, on Ozone and on the Oxford limiter and as well as the L2, I think they have these options. A couple of the limiters have these options like the, the true peak option. So, Sample points is just a bunch of dots, right? Samples are just a bunch of dots. So what waveforms are created, they infer where the lines are going to be between the samples. It's not a connect the dots. They, they guess based on where the, the dots are, and they kind of like fill in basically fill in the dots, really, though. So you could have two dots, two samples, capture points, right if you have it, for example, a lot of mas- people mastering will have the ceiling at negative 0.1. That is way too high, especially if you do not have true bypass because you have a negative 0.1 and you have two sample rates, but all of a sudden it'll it'll stop it there. It'll limit it there, but the wave will infer and it'll go just slightly over those two sample rates, right? The two sample like, pictures like the shots right so when you're mastering you can clip even though you are not hitting zero unless you have true bypass on or something relatively similar on your limiter which it'll interpret it'll actually make up for it going over so it'll actually actually cut it off from what the analog domain is going to say i would say when you master it when you limit your music, I would start off at putting the ceiling at negative 1 in an, an entire dB. And if you have True Bypass, like on Ozone, like on Oxford, I think L2 has it. I think some waves, waves limiters has them as well. I would recommend starting at negative 1. And if you have the True Bypass, you could turn it on. I recommend turning it on. Always master at negative 7.5 or 0.75 or 0.5. I, I, even though I have True Limiting, True Peak on... I still don't do it that hot. And you're going to thank me because I have a friend that is a really talented producer, really talented engineer, and every time I listen to his mixes, it's distorting. It's distorting. And you might have a friend that does that too, and he doesn't realize it's distorting because in his computer it sounds great. thing is, when you print it and it goes analog, in the analog domain, through your converters, it might peak. And I think it's called intersample distortion or something like that. You have to listen to Ian Shepard's podcast, The Mastering Show, and he'll explain more about it. But there are many places that you can distort, that you can accidentally clip the signal. If you are clipping on purpose, uh, Dave Pensado said it is more of an art than a technical skill, so don't use your eyes. When you're purposefully clipping something, don't use your eyes, use your ears, right? And on that note, good luck with all the recording, good luck with all the mixing, happy mixing my friends, and stay saucy. One, two, three, <laughs> If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's linksd mixescom Psst. Hey you. Yeah you. Come join our Discord. The Mixing Music Discord server is filled with tons of awesome information and people. People that can help you out and information that can help you grow your business and to help you improve your mixes. So come join us and find the invitation link at mixingmusicpodcast.com.